Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hey folks, and welcome to a special edition of Chewing the Fat. I'm Leland Whitehouse with the Yale Sustainable Food Project, and today with us are Taylor and Dorothy, the Good Food Jobs ladies. They're uh, in the studio. Taylor's been here before. We're getting Dorothy for the first time, um, but we're going to get the straight dope <laughs> on uh, actually getting a good food job. These are these are uh, authorities in the business of getting into the business. So uh, I have the distinct privilege and sneak attack treat of asking these uh, two humans for the advice I need right now as a senior at Yale looking for a job. So this is such a treat. Thanks so much for coming in, guys. Our Thank pleasure. Sounds like the pressure's here. on. Yeah. You bet. <laughs> We're ready. This is going to be like crossfire. <laughs> so be ready. Um, so first, could you guys just paint a little bit of the picture of what the food job market looks like right now for a kid like me, like fresh out of college with a scattered maybe internship thing in my past, maybe not. Are people, you know, are people hiring? Should I just knuckle under and go for finance? Yeah. Definitely Oof. not. <laughs> that would not be our advice. <laughs> Good deal. Um, well, you know, the economy for anybody looking for a job now is tough. It has been tough for a couple of years. Um, and in spite of that, uh, when when someone asked me, as you just did, what the, the food job scene looks like right now, all I can think is it's wide open. Um, there's just more and more every day, uh, more interest, more people actually getting out there and doing things, small businesses starting, um, bigger businesses who are getting more and more, uh, bringing more awareness um, to the issues of food culture and sustainability. So um, it's really a, a limitless um, opportunity, but at the same time, uh, it is going to require some taking some initiative and uh, using some smarts, which hopefully we're going to help you uh, get on your notepad today. Yeah, not just smarts and strategy, but a little bit of creativity and fun, which we think is one of the most important parts of the job search process. All too often, our culture now is such that job searching is something that you know, inspires a lot of fear and anxiety in people. And what we're trying to do is turn it around so that people really understand that it's a time where there's great opportunity and there are so many great things that are ahead of you that it should be a, a rather exciting and, dare I say, fun process. Um, the one other thing that I would say for food over finance is that at the very least, you'll never go hungry, which is a good thing. <laughs> you bet. Um, okay, so before... The moment where I'm in the moment of like trying to actually find a job, there's a number of years at college, potentially spent productively, setting yourself up. Um, could you guys just talk through a little bit about if uh, if you were in the shoes of a freshman or a sophomore who is digging food but not uh, you know radically directed and passionate yet? How might you use those few years to set yourself up? Oh, yeah. I mean, the college years are the best years. And I think that the mistake that a lot of people make is that they imagine that it's four years where you don't have to think about it. Um, really, what it should be is four years for you to dive deep to finding out what your interests and skills are. And also, what you have at Yale is something very great. You've got that at yale.edu email address. So, you should use that to your advantage. It, I always recommend for college students, whether you're doing 
a year-long master's or a four-year-long undergrad, set some type of goal. Like every week, I'm going to reach out to one new person in the field that I didn't know before. You know, every single year, that means you'll have 52 new contacts that you never had before. And by the time you're actually looking for a grad upon, or sorry, a job upon graduation, it means that you have this whole network of people that know who you are, what you've been doing, what you're into, um, that, you know, are a trusted source and you are a trusted contact for them and, and they can hook you up with the people that you need to be able to secure a position. Um. And as far as just like, you know, uh, where that gets explored, you yeah. know, great to be reaching out and tapping shoulders. Um, how about what do you? What is your thinking on summers? Or obviously, some of us have to have a job during the school year. But um, you know, where other than the the internet might we be developing that? Yeah, stuff? yeah. like we always say. Um, Uh, the internet is a tool, not a toy. So you want to make sure that you're using it as such and that it's always um, a resource that you're using sort of at the start of your search. So it shouldn't be the only thing that you're using. Uh, I like what you said in the very beginning that we are two humans that are here and we always like to remind people of that because the website is a technological tool but there are people behind it and in the job search it's really important to be connecting with people on a regular basis. Um, But uh, I, sorry, I totally forgot your question. Oh. <laughs> in terms of looking for, you know, w- what should we be doing in the summer? It's like, how oh, are you yeah. also, you know, going beyond the internet? Because the internet is is always going to be there to supplement what you're doing. You know, it's great to research people before and after you reach out to them. Um, all that kind of stuff. Um, look at all the advantages that you have as a student. So you might be thinking to yourself, gosh, you know, I have all these student bills to pay. And uh, oh, I have to live at home with my mom this summer, you know. But um, maybe it's uh, instead you could look at it like you have so much flexibility in your schedule. Um, you don't have to pay for housing for maybe one of the last times in your life. Um, so get out there and get a job that is, um, you know, pays only what you need it to pay, but might give you a, an experience that you're never going to have a chance to get again. Um, look more closely at all those mom and pop stores that are in your boring old hometown. Maybe there's somebody there who's been making, uh, you know, cannolis for 50 years, you know, and if you can work with them, they'll show you the recipe. And cannolis may not be your ultimate goal, but um, if uh, working in a famous pastry shop is, then, you know, that's a real valuable opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that's interesting is that we find a lot of people that are somewhat paralyzed. It's like, okay, I have this interest in food and I see stars on the Food Network, but I'm not really sure how to make the leap from A to Z. And the thing is that there are a lot of steps in between A and Z. And the point is that you just have to get out there and start making them. So even if you know, you can't see the other side of the river, but you know that's where you want to be. You just have to find the stepping stones along the way, which is really important. And uh, one thing I actually learned from Dorothy a few years ago when we came to speak at Yale for the first time, um, she said that the most meaningful job experience she ever had was actually the one where she and I met. We were both in college together and we were both tour guides. And we didn't realize it at the time, but that was so helpful because at the heart of it, there were a few things that we were doing. We were 
communicating in an effective way, which is a lot of what we're doing on a regular basis in our work with Good Food Jobs. And we're also helping people. Um, and we were learning things at the same time. So it's like, how do we learn about things, um, become enthusiastic and engage with them, figure out how to communicate it in a way that's sort of infectious for other people and help them at the same time. Um, and that sort of job experience, you know, I wouldn't have considered that that tour guide job was going to be such a huge part of what our daily work is 10 years later, but it most certainly is. Um, and so you mentioned a little bit ago, uh, the search, like, which is clearly where you guys really come in as far as the Good Food Jobs website. Um, and I know I, I'm following a couple of jobs on the Good <laughs> Foods website. Nothing yet, but we're, we're hanging tight. Uh, <laughs> but I, I wonder what you guys think about some of the, well, maybe briefly for people who haven't heard the other podcast, just give us like the quick version of what Good Food, Good Food Jobs is. And then... Um, cite your competition in the real oh. in the rest of the world like oh. what well, i mean competition is the wrong word but for the for, uh inspiration cohorts yeah or just like i am you know i'm looking for a cool place to work mm-hmm. uh, how what's the best way to go about looking good food jobs clearly one of the tools in my tool case yeah but what are some of the other uh, suggested tools as far as like find you can't just google sustainable food job sure. successfully so sure what do we think? <laughs> so Good Food Jobs is uh, the first job search engine for people who want to find meaningful work in food. Um, we launched it in October of 2010. We built the site ourselves from scratch. Um, we are not programmers, so we do have an excellent um, web production team uh, who uh, we try not to harass too much. <laughs> and um, we we uh, created this place where people can come and search job listings. It's totally free to use the site as a job seeker. Um, we uh, created a business model where you have to pay to post a job, so the employers are the ones who are um, creating a revenue stream for us. And there's no advertising on the site at all, which was really important to us, um, not only because it's annoying to have to let somebody else come into your space and you can't control everything that they're going to be saying or how it's going to look, but also because we didn't want anyone to question the integrity of of our listings. You know, did someone pay more to get that listing up or whatever? So um, there's no distractions from the what we consider the advertisements, which are the job listings themselves. Um, And so that's how the site uh, sustains us um, uh, economically. And uh, as I said, it's totally free to search job listings, and um, applying is up to the uh, individual. So we have, you know, all the information about how to apply, but there's no um, direct application process through our site. It's really, you know, as Taylor keeps saying, it's really a tool. It's something that you you add to your um, whole uh, repertoire of of searching for a job. Um, so I'll let Taylor talk a little bit about other resources. Yeah. So um, one of the things that we always like to tell people as well is that we see the site as so much more than just a website it's really a community and the beauty of the community is that it brings all of these people with a common interest together and gives them a place to congregate and meet Um, but there are other 
things that we recommend too. I don't know whether you were asking specifically in terms of food um, or just job search engines in general, but uh, you know, we took a lot of inspiration from similar um, sites that were pertaining to different fields. So for example, uh, there's a site called Authentic Jobs, and that is for people who are interested in um, you know, design and web technology. Um, and so, you know, finding different communities like that are really helpful. I have a friend uh, from college who actually just started a site up. She's based in Toronto, but it's called Be Meaningful. And it's similar to Good Food Jobs, but for people who have MBAs. So they, uh, you know, want to have an interest in the, the value of the work that they're doing while still using sort of that financial background that they were trained in in school. Um, but in terms of uh, food-related things, I think it's really important for people to, again, continue to cultivate these relationships they have. You know, the top two things that I always say to people if they call me, hey, I'm in X geographic region. What are things I can do to find a job? I said, you have to get meeting people in the area that are doing things that are of interest to you. And the top two resources I always give are first, check and see if there's an edible publication in that community. Um, now there are 70 plus edible publications across the country. And it's just a go-to place to read stories about food culture um, and to look at the advertiser section because you'll start to notice what businesses are in the area and the community that might have a say in, you know, how the food culture of that area is developing. Um, the other thing is slow food chapters. Uh, there are slow food chapters all, not all, not only all over the states, but all over the country. And that's just a place where you can go to start meeting people who have a similar interest um, and use those human resources to your advantage. Be asking questions, attend events, um, start to volunteer to be able to um, do things. And that's how you start to meet people in the community and know what's going on. Oh, so helpful. Even that right there. <laughs> um, okay. And then, so uh, having done some of this poking around and looking, uh, yeah, it feels good. The, um, <laughs> Among the things that, that I know I'm a little hung up on and the people I'm spending, the seniors, senior buddies of mine are hung up on is um, trying to figure out the right sort of uh, mental framework to be using on picking this first move out of college. It seems like a little bit of a mm -hmm. different decision than the fourth and the fifth job mm -hmm. switch. Um, could you guys just talk a little bit about how you, know, how you would suggest approaching that decision maybe in, in broader terms than... I don't know I want to be a master chef or a or a farmer but um uh -huh. just some of the the uniqueness of that first move out absolutely um there's I remember that feeling so well and it's one that is not just something I feel like changes over time like some things do as you get older and older and you look back and say well you know at that age that was a certain kind of experience it really does kind of stick with you that sense of uh, you know the meaning behind that first job out of school and the the fear and the anxiety and also the expectation um, you know both for yourself and from other people from the outside world from people you know very well like your parents and friends or people you don't know at all who um, who have an opinion also about how you look on paper essentially um, so it's a really kind of an interesting excruciating exciting place to be in um, 
and Taylor and I talk a lot and really uh, it might not have been a goal that we uh, verbalized when we first started the site but it was always back there this idea that we want to um, change that uh, the way that that is looked at and the way that people view you know how they what's meaningful about the first job that they get or any job that they get what their career is going to be um, you know work and life and bringing those two things more together rather than looking at them very separately as you know what kind of work can I do that will get me the life that I want you know it's actually much more intertwined than that um, so uh, one thing I would say is is try not to um, try to relax a little bit about it because that first job may not have as much meaning as you expect it to or others might expect it to. Um, it is not necessarily going to make or break you. One thing that is absolutely true is you're going to learn a tremendous amount from it. Whether it's a great experience or a terrible experience, whether you make minimum wage or nothing or way more than you expected to, um, that's not the part that matters. What matters is what you learn from it, what you take from it, and how you use that to get on to the next step. Yeah, and it's really about the investment strategy. So it's less about... Um you know, what, what is something that I can say that will impress other people and more about, okay, what will I get from this experience and how will it help lead me to my next step later? So the number one piece of advice I would give is be with people that you admire and respect and you admire and respect and appreciate the work that they do, because that will make a huge difference in terms of the amount that you learn um, where you can go with it, how much support you'll have in the future. Um, and there's something that we always say, it's like, f figure out what you want to do or something that interests you. Find the person that does it the best in the world and offer to work for them. And that will get you pretty far. Awesome. The And so on, maybe on a little bit of a smaller scale for this first job coming out of school, for me, more specifically about food. Yeah, tell um, us. Tell us your story. Tell us your <laughs> My story right now is that I'm having a hard time picking between up. There are so many cool farms and ranches and sort of like production. Oh, yeah. You know, the like first yeah. stage out of the ground or the sea, uh, which are sound like very cool jobs to me. And I've done some of that and liked it. And then there's this whole also compelling wing of the food world that's like uh, happens in offices that's policy and research based and community action oriented and that kind of thing. Um and I'm uh, just going back and forth about, you know, where to jump in first. Clearly, I learned a lot from both. Could you maybe talk a little mm -hmm. bit about how those two different wings of the food world might set a set a fella up differently? Oh, sure. Well, I think it's really interesting. You know, you hear a lot of people say, for example, if you wanted to go into writing and they say, you know, don't study writing or you want to be an actor don't study acting what you want is to have a firm understanding of the subject that you want to write about or human behavior that will help you be a better actor and I think that's totally true in terms of food as well I would say if you're craving those experiences for how food production works do that earlier rather than later um, because you can always gravitate back toward the office and you can always use the experiences that you have in the field or on the farm or on the sea or doing production to then apply in some sort of, uh, you know, office setting. Um, but it's harder to do the other way around. Um, so that would definitely be my recommendation because it gives you 
a really solid foundation for what you're going to advocate for and why you're going to advocate for it and what it's like for people out in the field. And it gives you a lot of credibility in terms of then working with people that are producing and being better advocates for them, um, which You know, when you're looking for a job, there's a lot of, like, focus on, like, how to set yourself apart from the other candidates, right? Like, how are you going to get this job over somebody else? And I think that um, when you... When you try to create, when you look at creating experiences for yourself that are going to make your resume look a little bit more unique, like for example, going in and you know working on farms or working with a producer or something before you you reach out for that you know nonprofit or um, you know uh, political job or whatever. Um, what what's interesting is what actually happens is you also learn so much in that experience you might not even get to that office interview you know so you're looking at it from a sort of a traditional perspective of like how do I make my resume look awesome but then when you actually get into that experience um it's it's just a tremendous opportunity for you to learn a whole lot about yourself and um, what you ultimately want to do and you know all those things and you know just to share a little bit about our own personal stories we have a lot of experience with this um, you know uh, we graduated from undergrad we both did a year-long master's program um, we were trying to figure out okay how are we going to apply these very fancy degrees that we have in a way that's very meaningful uh, the first job that I took was a job at a specialty food store in New York City and I recall people I grew, in, I grew up with, you know, referencing like, what are you doing taking a job at a grocery store? Um, but I knew I was in a very specific place doing a very specific thing. I was working really hard, long hours, maybe not getting as paid, uh, paid as much as a lot of other people I knew. But without that three years that I had that experience and the people that I met and, um, you know, having an understanding of what it was like to work in the food world, I wouldn't have understood what I wanted my life to look like later. I wouldn't have understood how to structure the business that we created in a way that would be really meaningful for us. And we wouldn't have had the frame of reference to be able to better talk to people that are going through the same exact things. It's only through that shared experience that we can better tap into the minds of the people that we're trying to help. And I think Dorothy could speak similarly about her career transition into food and what that meant for her. Yeah, I don't think that either of us ever predicted that this is what we would be doing now, you know. Um, It would have been like such a fantasy to imagine that this is what we're doing. Um, I came from more of the side of having this degree, which happened to be in interior design um, and the history of interior design. And and having a, a real idealistic uh, set of ideas about how, you know, what kind of job I was supposed to get, what I was supposed to do with my degree, how that might look, um, and how it might feel. And I did um, what so many people want to do. I went out there and I got the job on paper that that I thought was what I should be doing, what would make me happy. And I learned a tremendous amount from it. And I can't, I could never say, uh, you know, really anything truly negative about that experience because it did bring me to where I am today, and and uh, it really was a learning um, experience. But um, but I definitely also saw that um, 
the thing that you expect and the thing that you have, you know, sort of like a picture of in your mind, it doesn't always work out that way. Um, it doesn't always satisfy you the way that you expect it to. Um, and I'm lucky that I learned that early on and had uh, the resources to be able to find, you know, alternatives to that and the courage to <laughs> the courage to break out of the box. Um, could you talk a little bit about parts of the world that you think are exciting for somebody, you know, looking for the next place to go? There are, you know, a couple of hotbeds within the States and I'm sure some cities on the on the come up. Oh yeah. And then internationally, I don't, you know, you think of New York and San Francisco quickly in the States, but are there, are there those cities in other countries? What, you know, what's hot? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's like wherever you are is where it's hot. No, it's true that there are so many things happening in the world simultaneously. I recall, you know, Dorothy and I both ended up in New York City um, post-graduation. And, you know, when you're in New York, uh, a lot of people feel like it's the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And to a large extent, you know, it is while you're there. And I recall uh, back in January of 2011, I relocated to uh, northern Vermont, about half hour south of the Canadian border, seemingly to what could be considered the middle of nowhere. Um, And, you know, uh, my partner was like, are you sure that we can move up there? Like, there's nothing there. But as soon as you get there, you realize there are things happening all over. And especially in terms of food culture, it was such a hotbed of activity um, with all of these great sustainable food businesses popping up that were, you know, cheesemakers and brewers and organic seed companies and compost businesses and uh, colleges focused on sustainable ag. There were all of these things happening, even in a place that for all intents and purposes could be considered the middle of nowhere. Um, But in terms of things that we see, like Dorothy and I always have a wish list of places that we want to go. And uh, and we get a lot of emails from people all over the country who are requesting more, you know, good food jobs postings in these areas. So we just got one the other day from someone in the Midwest who was like, please, 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 we have people here that want to know about what's going on. And the Twin Cities are bursting with food-related activity. Um, so every time that happens, we're, we, like, make a note of it and say, okay, like, we got to go to these places. But um, in particular, Austin's been really huge of late um, and, and much better. I don't think there are any polar vortexes happening down there. (laughs) Um, We hear of a lot of activity in the Midwest, particularly the Twin Cities and even in Chicago, there's stuff. Um, We get a lot of rural requests too. Um, People who say, you know, there's life outside the cities. We want to hear what's happening. Um, I was just recently doing some traveling in Nashville and I was totally blown away by the food scene there and, um, you know, what people are doing there. And I felt so like, uh, felt like an outsider, even though that's uh, close to where I'm from in Kentucky, I felt like, wait a second, I didn't know all this stuff was happening, you know? <laughs> so I definitely uh, want to reiterate, like, the Midwest, the South, those are real, like, areas with, like, a tremendous food culture, you know? Just, like, amazing, you know, people who, who and people who value food culture in a way um, that is, that doesn't have any of, like, the uh, snobbery that you might find sometime in a bigger city where there's a lot more competition and people have, you know, really, you know, have accolades and um, like I said, have, have really built out those resumes. But there's just like a real, you know, like authentic, um, you know, down-to-earth kind of food culture. And there's so much going on. You know, if you if you want to find um, a great restaurant to work in or a great uh, food production place, 
um, I think that looking in those areas, you get an advantage because there might not be as much competition. There might not be as many people who want to live in, you know, Alabama. But I've never been to Alabama. I'd love to go. So, (laughs) There's also, there's a place that's posted with us a few times. And they're always, it's a small bakery that's in the Yukon. And I'm always tempted. I mean, that's the, the hardest thing about our job is when we go to approve the positions. There are so many times where I'm like, I want to do that. <laughs> I want to go to the Yukon for the summer and work in this bakery that uses all local grains and see what's happening up there. Um, so I think that there really is opportunity and inspiration everywhere. Just as long as you are looking through the right lenses, you'll be able to find it. That might not help you because I know you're like, just tell me where to go. <laughs> no, no, that's super helpful. I- Frameworks and systems and, and uh, you know, methods of thinking are equally helpful for sure. Yeah. Now I'm just, I'll just go do that Yukon bakery job, problem solved. Absolutely. I love it. Can't wait to hear all about it. Um, okay. So just uh, before we wrap up, any, um, you know, anything we haven't covered that b- burning important advice for for uh, 20-year-olds about to jump into the frigid waters of the grown-up world? Or like, you know... I, um, my dad is perpetually coming up with lists of like three pitfalls or three. So uh, <laughs> what, we don't, we don't need to get in my, but the, um, I, you know, just like a couple things that people I mean, often screw up or that you, uh, wish had been more forefronted in your brain in this. Oh, at this, well, at this well, I'm just thinking like, just do it. You know, don't, don't delay. There's so many things that you could weigh and think about, but, you know, without sounding like a really like old person who's like, oh, it only gets worse from here. You know? <laughs> there's only going to be in the future. There's only going to be more things that you're going to need to be responsible for, more ties that are going to connect you to a place. So, you know, take whatever freedom you have and use that. Like, go wherever you want to go. Follow your heart. See what inspires you. Take a chance. You know, but but most importantly, like, take action. Don't wait. Don't don't think I'll spend the summer looking for a job. Go do something. You can still look for a job even while you're interning, volunteering, apprenticing, uh, you know, working on a farm anywhere, you know. So just uh, get into it. Yeah. And I would uh, say two things. Um, The first is uh, akin to what Dorothy said. I recall I did my year-long master's program in Italy um, at the university that Slow Food founded. And my biggest regret from that entire year was that I lived in Italy and I never learned Italian. And the reason I never learned Italian is because I was scared of looking like an idiot. And for the past eight years, I've been thinking I should learn Italian. I understand a lot of it. I should I should learn it. I should try and speak it. And if I had just started speaking it eight years ago, I would be more than fluent now instead of still sitting here sort of being paralyzed by this idea of speaking it. So, you know, your job search is kind of like learning a language. No one expects you to be fluent tomorrow. What you have to do is start practicing, start taking the steps um, so that, you know, you can you can become fluent and you'll be in a much better place 10 years from now if you just start than if you don't. Um, but the second thing is that, um, you know, opportunities like this where we're talking on a podcast and we get to connect with people a little bit 
are great. Um, you know, it's hard to distill all information for all people in 30 minutes. Um, so the major point I want to make is that we're always available to talk about things. Um, you know, probably the most interesting part about our job is that we thought we were starting and we were really interested in food and we connected it to jobs, but more than anything, our daily work has become about relationships and people and a lot of psychology as well. Um, and we are here for support at any given time. That's what we really thrive on. So if we could be of use to anyone at any time, um, if you go to our website, goodfoodjobs.com, any of the email addresses on there really go to just Dorothy and me. So you'll reach one of us. The um, secret is out. Yeah, the secret is out. Everyone's like, you must have like a thousand people working for you. We're like, nope, just 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 all us. Just it all goes chickens. to us. Um, but uh, yeah, please do reach out. That's what we're here for. Um, so if you want to have individual conversations or you're working through an issue or there's a job you want to apply to and you're looking for a contact there or um, or anything at all, we're always here to help. So reach out early and often, please. Well, Taylor and Dorothy, thank you guys so much for coming in. I can't tell you how helpful it's been for me and I'm sure for our listenership, everybody will be better off at the end. If you guys are not on good food jobs yet, you're missing out. It's just, if nothing else, it's like a, it's a treat to just scroll through all the cool uh, little jobs that other people will have. Even if they're not you. <laughs> exactly. And uh, come back again. Thank for you. For the fat. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at www.yale.edu slash sustainable food.